I feel refreshed already. Praise God. In His presence there's fullness of joy. At His right hand pleasures forevermore. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3. Verses 17 through to 19. Amen. Praise God. This is a message that has been on my heart. And I, I think it's been there for a long time. And I feel it's time to bring this word to the church. And uh, hopefully you've got the right slides up there. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17, and 19, 17 to 19. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herds in the stalls. Let's read verse 18 together. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and He will make my feet like hinds feet and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Yet I will. Everybody say, yet I will. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God my salvation I want to minister on this title today yet I will yet I will amen Lord Jesus we just thank you for your word today Lord we know that you're going to speak in this house because your word will never return void Lord God you will speak and help us to hear not just with our ears Lord God but with our hearts speak into the deep recesses of our heart let there be healing let there be instruction help us to leave oh god with a changed mindset we pray in jesus name and everybody say amen amen, amen. yet i will you may be seated there are two sets of slides i've sent up there please one is listed 915 from the moment that we are born from the moment that we are born, we have an attachment. Everybody's saying attachment. In fact, when a baby is first born, one of the most important things is that attachment. Very quickly, the mother will be, uh, receive the baby to hold on the skin because of that attachment. Of course, the attachment is with both parents, but when the baby is first born, there is especially an attachment with the mother. And it has been proven time and time again that without the attachment, we cannot thrive. There is something called the failure to thrive. And there was in Romania, I believe, there was an orphanage where there were so many orphan children that nobody could touch them. Nobody could hold them. Nobody had time to talk to them. And those children failed to thrive. You see, today I want to talk about something that's very difficult to talk about. I want to talk about loss. Loss. And of course, we know when we talk about loss, we can always talk about losing a loved one. And I'm mindful that that is 
one of the, that is the, probably the greatest loss. But there are other losses that we experience. And when you have a loss, there is an injury to your attachment. The person that you lost, you are no longer connected to. That attachment is lost and that connection is lost. Death is a disconnect. I stand here today knowing that over the last two years that this church has experienced many losses. There are many people here today that have lost loved ones through COVID, loved ones to sickness, sudden tragedies. But death is a disconnect. And I speak as a pastor that has been there and still trying to process it. You see, standing at a graveyard and looking at a casket, you become disconnected. And life continues. And I think also today of Brother Samuel and Brother Emmanuel, who lost both their, both their parents just before Christmas in a car accident, in a single car accident. As I saw those young men beside their parents' grave, the two of them side by side, they became disconnected and life continues. But I know all too well, well that our world seems to come to a screeching halt. We feel stripped. They take a lot with them when they leave. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I know there are people today and across this place that have experienced so much pain and anguish. I don't try to even fathom everything that you're going through or even to understand it. I don't know if we can ever understand, but loss affects all of us and it is one of the most traumatic events we can ever experience. And when we lose somebody, it brings all of these feelings into our life. These feelings come rushing in and these are feelings that we've spent our whole life trying to avoid. I want to feel like that. And, and grief brings so many emotions. It brings so many different feelings. And even as Christians, we can feel that sense of hopelessness. Yes, we do have hope. We have hope in our God. But when we experience that loss, we can experience hopelessness, a feeling of hopelessness, a numb feeling, an empty feeling. While having so much, even as life continues, we have so much. But in that season that we're in, and some people are in that season right now, it feels like we've got nothing. It feels like we lost everything. It's grief. And we need to grieve. And grief is good. You see, embracing the grieving process is so important. It's not about showing everybody how strong you can be. And how untouched you can be. And how you can just keep going on. But it's grief and grief is good. Even Jesus. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. And that brings a tremendous comfort to me. I've been acquainted with grief. We never get over the loss. We never get over the loss. But we do learn to live with it. One 
guy called me. He said to me, he said, Pastor, I just want to reach out to you. And it was a difficult time. He's not a pastor. He's not a theologian. He's not a man of many words. But he did lose his brother in a tragic accident. He said, Jono, he said, losing someone you love is like losing a limb. You never get it back. But somehow you'll learn to live without it. And I'm no, I'm no way through all the seven stages of grief for those that know, but I'm getting there. And grief is not something you get over, but you get through it. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no, fear no evil for thou art with me. And I want to remind somebody today that just as the psalmist said, though I walk through the valley, and yes, let me tell you, it's a valley. And let me tell you, there's not much sunshine there. It can be a shadowy place. But I will fear no evil, the psalmist said. God is with me. And I want to tell you today, if you're in pain and if you're in grief, I want to tell you that he loves you and God is with you. And yes, in your sense, you may feel that God has let you down. You may feel that God didn't come through for you. We don't like to say those things in church. It can sound very, unspir very unspiritual of us. A preacher once said, his name's Ken Gurley. He's going to be here in June speaking to our ministers. But he gave this quote. He said, grief is the sadness that comes a hundred times a day. Grief is the helpless wishing that things were different when you know they are not and never will be again. Grief is a cluster of adjustments, changes, and uncertainties that strike life in its forward process and make it difficult to go forward. It sums it all up. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. And our Savior is a Savior who knows sorrow and knows grief. And maybe you're disappointed with God today. And let me tell you, disappointment is common to life. You cannot get through life without being disappointed. There will be people that disappoint you. There will be circumstances that disappoint you. There will be all sorts of things that disappoint you. But don't let your disappointment become discouragement. And there's a difference you see, disappointment is that natural human response that says expectations for a certain outcome. I expected this, but it didn't happen. That's disappointment. But discouragement is different. It is discouragement as we get to that point where we just don't have the ability to rise above the disappointments that we face. We get stuck in that valley. We don't go through that valley. We become discouraged. I want to tell somebody wherever you're at and as you try to process the loss and even as you grieve today, if you're online, I want to tell you, we are not alone in our grief. We are not alone in our loss. God is with us. And the Bible is full of stories, even with your questions the Bible is full of stories of people who felt like, and I'm going to say it, they felt like God didn't know what he was doing. They felt abandoned. They felt confused. They said, God, where were you when I needed you the most? And that is the question that Job himself asked. 
He said, why do the righteous suffer? Scriptures like this can seem cliche. I'm a preacher. I preach these scriptures. Sometimes they can just seem even cliche to me. His ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Well, we know those scriptures, but in times of grief, it becomes really real. Yeah, his ways were not the way I thought things would be. And his thoughts are not the way I thought things would happen. The way things have worked out are definitely not the way that I would have planned things to work out. And God's thoughts were definitely not my thoughts. Have you ever served a God? I'm going to ask you this. Have you ever served a God that you were secretly mad at? And nobody's going to put their hand up because this is church. Have you ever served a God who you were secretly mad at? Yeah, you're living for God. Yes, you're here. But so many questions. Maybe not mad. See, Mary and Martha, they were angry. Lazarus was dead. They thought, Jesus, you don't care. They associated the fact that Jesus was inactive and not moving at the pace that they thought he should move. And they associated his inactivity with a, with a lack of concern. They said, if you were concerned, Jesus, and if you cared, you would have come. And they probably felt like giving God a piece of their mind. God's not afraid of your questions go to God don't vent horizontally to people we need to talk to people of course but God is not afraid of you talking to him and asking questions there's a big difference between questioning God and asking questions to God they probably could have let Jesus have a piece of their mind they could have walked away and said why this friendship was for nothing if you cared you would have been there and then Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. When they remembered then, as Jesus wept, they, they remembered the love that he had for Martha and his, <laughs> Lazarus and, and all of those things. When, when they remembered the love that Jesus had for them, John 11 verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. They were angry, but then they remembered that Jesus cares. And that shorter scripture, which was also my favorite memory verse in Sunday school. The shortest scripture in the whole world may just be the biggest one. They are thinking as Jesus began to cry, they said, I, I didn't know Jesus cried. Everything I understood goes out the door as they, they saw Jesus cry. This is the first time that anybody has seen the Savior cry. He was betrayed, but he didn't cry. They ran him out of the city, but he didn't cry. They lied about him, 
but he didn't cry. They called him Belzebub, but he didn't cry. Right there, Mary and Martha found out that they serve a Savior, that they serve a God who is able to weep with us. And this is a revelation we've got to understand that we don't weep alone. God weeps with us. They found out that they serve a God who is not too busy being God that he cannot weep with us in our low times. Oh, yes, he performed miracles beyond our comprehension, but he was still able to feel sorrow and he was still able to weep. He was fully God, yes, but he was also fully man. He wept. He's, our God is not just a God of, of power and might and strength and holiness. The Bible says, we read it already, he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He wept. David said, this poor man cried. David said, when I cried, Psalm 34 verse 6, he says, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. I want to tell you today, write this down. If you're taking notes, it may be one of the most important things that you write down. We have a God that is not so busy being God that he cannot cry. When you shed tears, you're not crying by yourself. He will come to you in your pain. Maybe that's why Paul wrote in Romans 12 verse 5, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. No wonder the Bible says, Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And there is a revelation and there is a comfort that you can only know in God when you come to that place of mourning. And Habakkuk, we read it today and I'll get back to the text, but this book of Habakkuk is about Faith in spite of suffering. Faith in spite of questions. Faith in spite of pain. And, 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 and here it is in, in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 1. It says the burden. Everyone say the burden. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Oh Lord, how long? How long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? How long when I, will I cry out of violence and you will not save? Everybody say, how long? And then in verse 3, he says, why? Why dost thou show me iniquity? Why do you cause me to behold grievance? And then in verse 4, he says, it seems like your law is slack and you're just not a fair God. It doesn't seem fair to me. And, and here is Habakkuk going through this crisis he, he still has his faith. We read that in the whole chapter. That's what the theme is. He still has his faith, but he's suffering and he's in pain and he's got questions. And in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 16, it tells us exactly the way Habakkuk was feeling. And this sounds a lot like grief to me. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. All I wanted to do is go and lay down and sleep 
when he cometh up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. You know what Habakkuk's saying? He's saying, I am unraveling. I am trembling. I am fearful. He's a prophet. He's a prophet. He's a man of God. But he is hurting deeply. What happened? You see, God speaks to the prophet. And because of the wickedness of God's people, God says, the people that I love, that's you, Habakkuk. You've become so wicked But for your own good, I'm going to punish you and I'm going to use your enemies to do it. I'm going to use the Babylonians, Habakkuk, to bring judgment to you. And you know what? Habakkuk begins to cry out to God. He says, how long and why? He doesn't like the idea of judgment. He doesn't know what God is thinking. He says, God, I am failing to see things from your perspective. I have faith, but I don't like what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling. How long? Why? Why are you silent, God? Why do I feel so disappointed? Why do I feel alone? You see, Habakkuk, the name Habakkuk, it's hard to pronounce and I I got my own way of saying it. But it means to embrace and to wrestle. And that's exactly what Habakkuk did. He had to embrace some very, very difficult times. And let me tell you, just because you're a Christian does not mean that you're not going to go through some difficult times. I am a Christian and I say, why do, why do I have to experience such a, a devastating loss? And maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I, I've been serving God my whole life and I just cannot process. i got so many questions. Maybe you read Habakkuk and you think, well, Habakkuk, it sounds like you're, you're a doubter. It sounds like you're a weak Christian. Let me tell you today, here on earth, we will always have questions. Maturity is not about having all the answers. No. (laughs) Maturity is about having faith in spite of the questions. And saying, I don't know, but I know a God that does. And I'm going to trust him. He's with me. I'm going to come through. I'm going to look to God. You see, Habakkuk was not a doubter. He was a man who was incredibly in love with God. And this world would give you all sorts of solutions when you feel like this and when you're hurting deeply. The secular world will say, just resign to it. Resign yourself to it. You know, just accept that there's nothing you can do. What will be will what is what will be and that's the world's answer just resign to it or or detach from it don't think about it anymore ignore it find something to distract you from what's happened find something to distract you from the grief and that is what a lot of people do they go and find distraction through entertainment sadly many go and find distraction through drugs and alcohol throwing themselves from relationship to relationship some people distract it and even even Habakkuk felt like this he felt like just going to sleep just sleeping all the time escaping to another mental zone but you know what when you try to detach yourself from it and forget about it Grief has a way of creeping in through the cracks again. Some people say, well, just be determined. Grit your teeth and just push on. Sheer determination. You can overcome. You can just push on. You can make it. Whatever's crushing you. And here is Habakkuk. He says, how long? And why? Why, God? I I tremble in despair. My stomach is upset. I got this terrible feeling. And here he is. A man with so many questions, a man of God, 
who was also deeply in love with God. You see, we read in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, about a man who had a demon-possessed son. And Jesus said, do you believe? Jesus says, do you believe? Do you believe that? And he said, yes, I, I do believe, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I do believe, but help my unbelief. And that's exactly what was happening with Habakkuk. How long and why? And I don't understand. And here it is. Here we see Habakkuk simultaneously expressing faith and asking questions at the same time. Look at this. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O, o Lord, mine holy one? You're from everlasting, O mighty God. You have established them for correction. This is a statement of faith. And then he says, thou art, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. That's another statement of faith. He's asking questions, but he's also professing faith. And I like this. He says, God, your eyes are pure than to behold evil. And you cannot look upon iniquity. I know what I'm seeing doesn't make sense. But I know you, God, and I've got faith in you. I, I got questions. But my, and, and that's the thing, a lot of people think questions and faith can't go together. But we see it in the man that came to Jesus. He said, yes, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And there's nobody here today that can say they've got perfect faith. Habakkuk helps us. He helps us. Habakkuk helped me and he's helping me. And I pray as we read this text today that Habakkuk will help you because look at the way he responds. Once again, a man of God with questions, a man of God who's asking why and how long, but a man of God who still has faith. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail. It's not looking good and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls the circumstances are looking bleak yet i will rejoice in the lord i will joy in the god of my salvation i'm gonna rejoice in him i got questions and i don't have answers how long and why but i'm gonna praise you god i'm gonna rejoice in you in spite of my circumstances let's worship god today Oh, Jesus, I will rejoice in you, God. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, God, in spite of my questions, I'm going to praise you. Oh, yes, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The world says resign. The world says detach. The world says grit your teeth, you can get through it. And God says, just keep worshipping me. Amen. Habakkuk helped me and Habakkuk's going to help you today. Whatever you're going through, whatever grief you're experiencing, whatever loss, maybe you've lost a loved one, but maybe other losses in your life, yet I will Oh, have I been there? Yes. 
There's nothing I wasn't willing to do. There was nothing within my control that I wasn't willing to do. There's nothing that we could do to make it better. But let me tell you, our trials and everything we go through leave us with a choice. Everybody say a choice. And Habakkuk goes against everything that he feels. His emotions are all over the place. You know, sometimes, listen to me carefully, sometimes faith and feelings are partners. Sometimes you come to church and you feel great. And because faith and feelings can be partners at times, your faith is high. Faith and feelings go, go together. You come to church, you, you feel the presence of God, and you hear the preaching of the word, and faith just begins to rise. Faith and feelings. I mean, sometimes you can feel really faithy because of the way you're feeling. But there are other times when your faith and your feelings get divorced. They're separated. You, you will always, this is it, we're always going to have feelings. Everyone say feelings. And I'm not saying to ignore your feelings. The feelings will be there and you need to grieve and all of those things. Your feelings will always be there. But your will must always be the engine that drives the carriage. Think about your will as being the engine and your feelings being the carriage. The, your will must always lead your feelings. You see, your feelings cannot determine your will. When the carriage is pulling the engine, it's the wrong way around. Your will, and that's why Habakkuk says, yet I will. I, maybe, he, maybe the carriage had been pulling the engine. Maybe he had let his feelings overwhelm him and come flooding in and, and started impacting him. But he said, no, in spite of everything I feel, yet I will. I understand that I have a choice and I have a will and I'm going to make sure my will is in front of my feelings because I have a choice. Yeah, how you feel is real. You cannot just dismiss emotions and feelings and pretend that they don't matter. And emotions can be all over the place. You, you, maybe you haven't felt those emotions for a while, but they can be up and down. In a moment, it can hit you. A memory. You can walk in the house, you've had a great day. You can walk into your lounge room and you'll see a photo and straight away, the feelings are there. I'm not saying to deny the feelings. I'm not saying the feelings aren't real. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying you still have a choice in spite of your feelings. And that's what Habakkuk said. He said, yet I will. I will. He said, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And what happens when he begins to rejoice? His focus changes. Everyone say focus. <laughs> Just because he starts to focus on God, does that mean it changed the problem? No. But it changes our perspective in the midst of the problem. Just because you're going to focus on God doesn't mean the problem goes away. I know I'm getting deep today, maybe right into some places where you're feeling today. Our God focus doesn't change the problem, but it changes our perspective. And Habakkuk begins to praise. He sees God in the middle of the storm. And he says in verse 19, The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet. And he will make me to walk upon my 
high places. He says, when I changed my perspective, when I began to focus on God, God became my strength. Everyone say, our strength. Let me tell you, grief and loss will cause you to lose your strength. Physically, yes. Some people think it's all just an emotional thing. But grief will cause you to lose your strength emotionally. It will cause you to feel physically weak in every way. But Habakkuk says, when I changed my focus and I focused on God, God gave me strength. Not Not because my circumstances changed, but because God came into the circumstances. Because God entered into the equation. Listen to me today. Don't let your despair draw you away from God. Let your despair draw you to God. You make that decision. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to joy in the God of my salvation. Hinds feet, deer feet. They're strong. And grief and loss can be like climbing a mountain, a big one. The beauty of the mountain goat or the mountain deer is that they are so sure-footed as they climb. They jump up that mountain just so sure-footed. Why? Because there's strength in their legs. They can climb the mountain without falling. They'll sit on the edge of a ledge and bounce from ledge to ledge. And they can navigate the terrain of the mountain so well because of the strength in their legs. And I know you and I would prefer to read that God is my strength and he makes the mountains of grief disappear. But it doesn't say that. I know I would prefer it says he makes my high places disappear. Let me tell you, the mountains didn't disappear for Habakkuk, but God strengthened his legs. God gave him sure-footedness. God didn't cancel the mountain, but he gave Habakkuk the strength to climb it. Let me tell you, maybe you're facing a mountain of grief caused by whatever sort of loss you've experienced. Let me tell you, that mountain of grief can be hard to climb. But if you would put your trust in God, He will strengthen your feet. He will give you the ability to climb. He will give you the ability to go through. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Let Him strengthen your legs to climb that mountain, to get through the valley, get back on your feet again. That's why Isaiah 40 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let me tell you, the mountain won't disappear, but God will give you strength to climb it. If the musicians could come, uh, praise will give you the strength to keep going. Worship will give you the strength to keep going. And maybe, you know what, you see people that go through grief and loss, they don't miss the house of God. Why is that? You know, they could be home feeling sorry for themselves. They could be homes, you know, just saying, I just can't face anybody or anything. And yet all of those are real feelings. But I got to get to the house of God. Because that's where I get my strength. People will come to you in times of grief and say, how can you love a God that let this happen to you? Oh, let me tell you, that's where I get my strength. 
Where would I be on this mountain if it wasn't for God strengthening my feet? Where would I be on this mountain of grief if it wasn't for the sure-footedness that I have that comes from the strength that is in God? Sometimes mountains do disappear. But a lot of times mountains don't disappear. And you've got to find your strength in God and become a spiritual mountain climber. You can get back on your feet again, somebody. You can find the sure-footedness in a faithful God. God will strengthen you as you rejoice in Him. Yet, I will. My feelings are not going to be pulling the engine anymore. But my will, i got a will, I've got a choice. I want to read the words of a, a song. You can stand. At least you feel like I'm coming to an end. You can get back on your feet again. Going to break these chains around me. I'm going to learn to fly again. It may be hard, it may be hard, but I'll do it when I'm back on my feet again. Soon these tears will all be drying. Soon these tears will see the sun. It might take some time, but I'll see it when I'm back on my feet again. When I'm back on my feet again, the chorus says, I'll walk proud down this street again. And they'll look at me and they'll see that I'm strong because I'm back on my feet again. Going to hear the children laughing going to hear the voices sing it won't be long it won't be long till I hear them when I'm back on my feet again going to feel the sweet light of heaven shining down its light on me one sweet day one sweet day I'll feel it when I'm back on my feet again and I'm not going to crawl again I will learn to stand tall again no, I'm not going to fall again because I'll learn to be strong. Soon these tears will all be drying. Soon these eyes will see the sun. It won't be long. It won't be long till I see it when I'm back on my feet again. The mountain you're climbing right now, you can't climb it without the sure-footedness and the strength that comes from God. I've preached my heart today. I've preached from the hardest hurt in my life so far. But you can get back on your feet again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk again. I'm not going to crawl again. I'm going to climb this mountain because i got a choice. And I'm going to worship God. I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm going to praise Him in spite of what I feel. Let's lift our hands all across this place right now. And I believe right now there's going to be healing. You're going to invite God into your circumstances. I know you're asking how long and you're asking why. But when you begin to praise God and say, God, I don't have the answers, but I'm going to praise you. The strength will come. Oh, let's just lift your hands. This altar is open, God. God wants to minister to those. You want to come and pray at this altar, find a place on your knees.